0: Hey, good morning, Ethos. My name's Dave, so glad that you're joining us. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a long time, we're so honored that we get to be together this morning. And if you haven't already done this, I want to invite you to get out your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter two, and uh, to get out something to write with, to take notes with. Uh, I don't know if you had the opportunity to see the communication piece we sent out last week about our church's plans for the next several weeks as we think about what it looks like to begin gathering again in person. We know there are a lot of you today that are already gathered in house churches, and we're so excited about that in groups of 10 or less. But uh, one of the things that began to come back after we sent out that communication piece last week was, okay, we, we know what the next few weeks look like, but, but what is our church gonna look like when we begin to emerge from this moment that we're in? And just to be as honest as we know how you know as leaders there's so many questions that we still have and yet there's things in the midst of it that we see god doing and so this morning as we look through acts chapter 2 together I want us to really wrestle with what does the future of our church look like as we begin to reemerge kind of into this new normal. And so for those of you that have ever been to an ethos open house, you know, these are the um, these meetings that we have once a month where new people come and we kind of say, here's seven or eight things that we think are going to mark our church in this next season. In a lot of ways this morning is maybe going to feel a little bit more like an open house than a normal sermon. I want to look through Acts chapter two and over the course of the next 25 minutes or so, look at seven or eight things that I think are going to shape us as we come into this future together. And so uh, I want to encourage you to get something to write with to kind of track along um, as we go through this. And uh, we're going to attempt to cover much more than we normally do in a typical Sunday sermon together, but I'm excited because I think God has something for us. So let's pray together as uh, we get ready to jump into Acts chapter 2. Father, I love you. And i'm just so grateful i'm so grateful for our community it's such a unusual time that we're in but i'm so grateful for the gift of technology that we can come together like this on a sunday i'm grateful for those that are going to watch this after the fact and worship along with us lord in the name of jesus by the power of the holy spirit we just acknowledge that there is nothing about this season that you are scared of that you're uncertain of you know where this is going. You know what you're doing. God, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, would you fill every home, every living room today with the power of your presence as we read your word? Would you give us eyes for the future? Would you give us hope for the future? Would you give us joy as we face the future together? We love you. We love you so much. And we're grateful for this opportunity. So, in the name of Jesus we pray and give thanks. Amen. You know, the the moment that we've been in, I think it's pretty easy to kind of stop and see all the things that we've lost or the things that we're scared of losing, the things that have been challenging, but. One of the things that Sydney and I have tried to regularly practice in this season is to just stop and to give thanks for all of the blessings that we've seen kind of in this unusual moment. And it's been, it's been crazy because you can name the challenges, but you start to see the blessings, and it's crazy. Like all of the really neat things that God has done, even as the world is shaking, the economy is shaking, the church is shaking, what we see is God like right in the midst of it, bringing all sorts of beauty in life. And I was struck by this several weeks ago, I was doing a wedding. It was my first ever wedding to perform in the midst of a global pandemic. I don't know if you've ever performed a wedding in a global pandemic, but it was it was a bit abnormal. It was a bit different, but uh, two of just our beloved friends that are part of our church family, Jake and McKenna Moore, shout out. I know you guys are watching this morning. Uh, But about a year ago, they'd asked me to perform their wedding. And they had everything kind of picked out, the venue. They had hundreds of people that were scheduled to fly in and to celebrate. They had the photographer and the dresses and the tuxes and all those things. But then this pandemic struck, and it became pretty clear that uh, things were not going to look the way they anticipated them looking. And so as we were getting close to the wedding, we kept texting back and forth. And they said, here's what we're going to do. We're still going to get married because we really want to get married. I'm like, that's a great choice. And they said, but here's here's what we're going to do. Instead of the venue, instead of having all the guests, it's just going to be uh, the two of us with our parents and and me there to perform the wedding, and two or three random you know, friends that had gotten kind of lucky pass to get to be there at the wedding, you know, they kind of served as the caterer and the DJ and the photographer and everything else, you know, for the wedding. And I remember showing up for the rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding, and at first, it was easy to see all that this pandemic was taking from them. I was like, man, the big day you planned on its not gonna look the way you expected. No venue, your, your siblings can't be here, your friends from college can't be here. At first, it was easy to see all the stuff that was missing. But the further we got into that weekend, the more clear it was that what remained was something so beautiful. And I remember standing there that day, and I've done lots of weddings, but it's, it was one of the most Uh, beautiful weddings i have ever got to be a part of. I'm standing in their parents' backyard under this beautiful tree on a beautiful day with this amazing couple and their family, and it's just them. It's just us. We're standing there as they declare their love for each other in the presence of God, and I thought, you know, as abnormal as this feels, in some ways it feels like a return to normal. Like, that had to be what the first wedding kind of felt like, right? You know, like in the midst of the Garden of Eden, just two people— staying in front of their Heavenly Father, declaring their love for each other in the presence of God. That night after the wedding, we we sat around and we ate a meal for a really long time. Nobody was rushing to get out of there. We sat and we ate, and then we sent them off on their kind of like impromptu honeymoon that was much different than the one they had planned. And as they were getting ready to leave, they stopped and hugged and had a meaningful conversation with every single person, like all six of us, you know, before they got in the car and they walked off. And I thought, man, in the midst of this shaking, what a beautiful return to normal. like to, to, to be there with two people who weren't distracted by all of the other things, but they, they just saw one another, they saw the Lord, they saw what it was meant to be. And I thought, man, it's amazing how God is doing that in the midst of this moment we found ourselves in. Things are changing, things are shaking, and yet I sense that God, in some ways, is bringing us back to the heart of, of what this is all about. And I think that's what he's doing kind of in the midst of the church. I've I've been struck by this. You know, what happens to the American church when you take away the buildings, and you take away the programs, and you take away the activities, and you take away the mission trips, you know, for some of us, when those things begin to be taken away, it it can be easy to feel fear and go, man, what's what's this gonna look like? But I believe that Jesus is not punishing us as the church is beginning to shake. I believe he's refining us, he's he's purifying us, He's, he's rebirthing us, he's like giving us an invitation to come back to normal, to come back into the beauty of all that this is. And so this morning, this is what I want us to wrestle with from Acts chapter two, you know, as we stand here, As our city is beginning to reopen, as we look at the future, there's all these questions about what life is going to look like as we begin to regather together in person. We could be overwhelmed with the things that we don't know. We could be so overwhelmed with the questions, but this morning, I just want to give you eight simple things that we do know. Like This is what we believe our church is going to look like out of Acts chapter two, as we step into the future together. If you don't know the story of Acts two, I'll just give you the, the quick cliff notes. Acts 2 begins 10 days after Jesus had physically returned to heaven. You know, he had raised from the dead, spent 40 days with his disciples. He returns to heaven. And Acts chapter 2 picks up 10 days after that. His disciples, just ordinary people like you and I, that had been in the presence of Jesus, they're in a room, they're praying, they're saying, God, we want to see your presence break out on the earth. We want to see your love fill the earth. And it's in the middle of that little prayer meeting that the Spirit of God is poured out into the lives of God's people. These apostles now, these disciples, they're sent out amongst the crowds on the day of Pentecost, this big religious festival. They're sent out amongst the crowds and they begin to tell the story of God and what Jesus was doing. And I love it says that as they begin to tell the story, the Spirit of God convicted people of their need for God. And said so that day, 3,000 people were added into the kingdom of God. They, they turned from their sin, they were baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter two, is a description of how the church was started, how the church was born. This is your story. This is my story. This is a part of the story that we're all involved in. And here's what I love about Acts chapter 2. There's no mention of buildings, of programs, of kids' ministry, of student ministry, of mission trips. Here's what you get in Acts chapter 2. You get a group of people overwhelmed by the kindness of God, filled with the Spirit of God, now doing life together on this great rescue mission with God. It's an unbelievable picture. And here's what I sense is as the world is shaking, as the economy is shaking, even as the church is shaking in some ways, I believe God's not doing this to, like, punish us. I believe God's saying, hey, I want to invite you back to the basics. And in order to understand the future, you have to see where this all got started. And I love the picture that Acts chapter 2 begins to paint. So if you take notes, just several simple things that I want you to notice. Number one, as we move into the future, we are going to be a community that is forged in Jesus and that is held together by Jesus. We're gonna be a community forged in Jesus and held together by Jesus. You know, that passage of scripture that was just read over us from some folks in our church, they read Acts 2, verses 37 through 47. In those first few verses, they tell this story of how ordinary people, just like you and I, they find the messiness of their lives on a collision course with the kindness of God. This is where the church always begins, when ordinary people recognize their need, not for a life coach or a therapist or some good advice, but we begin to recognize, man, we need God. It says these ordinary people, they hear the story of Jesus, it says they were cut to the heart, they were pierced to the heart, and they said, what do we need to do in response to this? And it's a story of people just like you, people just like me, experiencing the weight of their sin, being overwhelmed by the beauty and the power of Jesus's grace. And all of a sudden this community is its formed. And I want you to notice this. It's not formed based on the color of their skin. It's not based on their age. It's not based on who they vote for in November. It's not its not based on their interests. It's not based on whether they wear masks or no mask. <laughs> what they think about these things. No, it's forged in and it's held together by the person of Jesus and the person of Jesus alone. And I'm just telling you, any church that is identified by something other than Jesus is not a church. It's a country club disguised as a church. I love it in this season. I'm just telling you, as the world is shaking, Jesus is knocking off some of the excess, and he says, let's just come back to this thing. The church is at its foundation, a community of people forged by my grace and held together by my grace. I remember years ago when we were first starting our church, we were not even meeting at the cannery yet or Marathon or Hillsborough Village. We were meeting in a park, and this college student showed up, and at the time, I knew him because I worked on the campus where he went to school. He was just a hellion. I mean, like, he didn't just participate in sin. He was like the orchestrator, the grand maestro of sin. That's kind of who he was. And he's become a dear friend, so I say that with his permission. But uh, just kind of a crazy, messy life. And he shows up one night when we're preaching through the gospel of Mark. I'll never forget this. He shows up, and I just get to watch him in real time see the messiness of his life come colliding with the kindness of God. We had the joy of watching him repent. I got to baptize him. We saw him filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, he begins to leave, uh, lead, and live into this great mission, this rescue mission. Jesus. He begins to bring his friends to the Lord. He begins to reach across all sorts of social lines to bring people to the Lord. I remember one night he invited me to his dorm room. He said, Dave, I'm hosting this Bible study. Will you come to the Bible study? It was meeting at nearly midnight because they're in college, and that's just what college guys do. And so I show up at almost midnight with some pizzas, and I'll never forget walking into this dorm room, and there he is, and he's sitting in this room with all of these guys that he used to be at odds with guys from different fraternities, people that uh, he used to be kind of in strife with. There's this one guy that he had literally kind of held a grudge against, been in a fight with for a long time. But here, all of these people were in this room. They were eating pizza. They were opening the Word of God. They were worshiping. And then I started looking around the room, and I went, man, every single one of these young guys had come to Jesus over the last couple of months through the life of this one guy. And I went, man, this is the picture This is the picture of what it means to be the church. It's not about the buildings or the branding or the website or the ministry. It's people whose lives have been wrecked by the grace of God, coming together in the Spirit of God on this great rescue mission. We will be, you know, as we step into the future, we will be a community that is forged in and held together by Jesus and Jesus alone. That's that's who we're gonna be as we come in to this uncertain future. The second thing that you can just kind of, put your heart down, put your stakes down in the ground, the second thing is we're gonna be a community of spiritual self-starters. We're gonna be a community of spiritual self-starters. Look at Acts chapter two, verse 42 with me. It says, after God had done this great work, it says, this church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they devoted themselves, like they, they devoted themselves, like we love mentorship, we love discipleship, we, we, we think leadership's important, we think it's valuable for you to learn from other people, but we believe the church of the future, although those things will be present, we believe that you were not created to just consume from somebody else's spiritual journey. We believe that God, by the power of His Spirit, has set you up to know how to feed yourself spiritually as we go on this journey together. And so what you see in the life of the early church, they're they're saved by Jesus. They're sent on this mission, held together in Jesus. And all of a sudden, it says they begin to devote themselves. They begin to lean in on their own. Uh, You know, several times a year, my wife, Sydney, She'll have to go on a trip, you know, she'll go teach at a conference, or she'll go pour into some women that she's been discipling, and she'll have to leave me and the three boys at home. And we just know that whenever Sydney's gone, the quality of life in our house just goes down. Like, you know, we go from thriving to surviving. It's like, let's just try to live, let's just try to make it, and so, a few months ago, Sid had to go uh, speak at a thing uh, out of town. And so we knew it was just going to be me and the boys by ourselves for a few days. And literally the night before she leaves, my middle son, Jack, who's seven years old, uh, he said, Dad, remember tomorrow you've got to make our lunches. Because like, he, was, he was scared. He, he wasn't convinced that I would remember to make lunches. They have a very low view of me, apparently, as a father. <laughs> and so you know, Sid leaves, and we're, we're getting by, we're surviving. But I'll never forget one morning, I wake up, and normally I'm up before the boys, but I hear them in the kitchen. And I go in, and all three of my boys, they're nine, seven, and five years old, they'd set their alarm, they got up, they were scrambling eggs, the house wasn't on fire, it was amazing, they were were making breakfast tacos, and I thought, I don't know if they're doing this out of necessity and fear, or out of vision and maturity, either way, I don't care. Here they are, they're making breakfast, and here's what struck me, I went, man, my boys are learning to feed themselves. My boys are learning to feed themselves. It would be a travesty if my boys raised up and went off to college and they didn't know how to take care of themselves. Guys, it would be a travesty if you spent 10 years as a part of Ethos Church and you did not know how to feed yourself spiritually. Some of you have maybe discovered this in the context of this season. You go, man, I don't know what to do when someone else isn't feeding me spiritually. I go, we don't know what the future's gonna look like, but here's what the future's gonna look like. Here's what we can bank on is that we'll be a community held together in Jesus. Number two, we'll be a community of spiritual self-feeders. Number three, we'll be a community that is awestruck by the things of God. We're gonna be a community that is in awe of God. I love this, look at verse 43. It says everyone, these self-feeders hung together in Jesus, every one of them were filled with awe. They were filled with awe. That's such a, a stunning word to me because we live in a culture that is so devoid of awe. Because in order to be in awe of anything or anyone, it necessitates that you slow down and you stop long enough to, to drink in the beauty so you can be in awe. Our culture, we're so distracted, we're so fast paced. Even in the midst of this quarantine and this pandemic, I continuously talk to people that instead of making room for God, have been overwhelmed by the reality that they have not spent much time with them. But for us to stop and to go, man, we want to see the beauty of God. This is what marked this community. I remember 15 years ago when Sydney and I were celebrating our first wedding anniversary. We were in Malibu, California. I think it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I remember this one evening in particular, we're sitting at a restaurant overlooking the ocean. We're not sitting across each other from the table. We're side by side. We're not even talking. We're just like looking at the scenery. It was stunning. And I remember looking at this scenery as the sun was going down over the Pacific Ocean. It was just so gorgeous. And seeing all of the locals walking by on their phones just going about their business. And I thought, man, it's crazy that when given enough time, all of us can be inoculated to beauty. When given us uh, enough time, all of us can become desensitized to what's right in front of us. And I go, guys, this might be the plight and the plague of the American church. So many of us, we've grown cold to the beauty and the grace and the power of God. And a lot of us, we're just not in awe of the Lord. Like, I go, man, when I look at the future, the kind of church we're going to be on the other side of this, I go, I don't want us to just be rooted in Jesus. I don't want us to just be self fears I want us to be people that are in awe of Jesus. When is the last time you heard someone describe the American church as, man, that's just a group of women. That's just a group of men that are in awe of God, crazy about God, in love with God. I hear a lot of descriptions. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody come in and say, those are people that are just in awe. But when I look at the future, this is who we're going to be—forged and held together in Jesus, self-feeders spiritually in awe of God. If you're taking notes, number four, we're going to be a community that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jump back to verse forty-three with me. It says, "Everyone was filled with awe and wonders at the, uh, with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles." I, I love this. You know, Jesus right before he went to the cross in John chapter fourteen, he looks at the disciples. And he says, I'm telling you, those of you that believe in me, you're going to do even greater things than I've done these signs, these wonders, this miraculous power, you're gonna be a part of even greater things than I've done. In other words, Jesus says the good stuff is not just gonna be left back in the past. Jesus says, as the church races its way towards the second coming of Jesus, the church is gonna display the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that the earth has never seen. I believe that's what the Scriptures point to. I believe that's what Jesus is pointing to. And you see this with the disciples in Acts 2. They were crazy enough to believe Jesus. They weren't just a nice community. They weren't just a hospitable community. They weren't just a faithful, loving community. They were a community that was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. It was a place where sick people came to get healed. It was a place where struggling people came to be redeemed in the power of God. It was the place where the darkness was pushed back. Demons were cast out. It's what God did. And guys, in our church, this has been some of our story up to this point. It's the reason some of you have become followers of Jesus. You you came to us sick, and you got prayed for, and you were healed, or your marriages were struggling, and you received prayer, and you experienced redemption. We've seen God work in amazing ways. We've seen him cast out darkness, but I'm just telling you, what lays ahead for us in the future is more of that, not less of that. The church in the future is not just gonna be identified in Jesus, and not just a group of spiritual self-starters, and not just people in awe and wonder of the majesty of God. We'll be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of those who still don't yet know Jesus. God has not just called us to think about the kingdom or to preach the kingdom, but to de- declare and demonstrate the kingdom right here and right now. And I go, I don't know what the future's gonna look like. We don't know what it's all gonna feel like, but I know that these things are gonna be a part of it. If you're, go- if you're still with us, number five, We're gonna be a community that is selfless, just like Jesus. We're gonna be a selfless community. I love this, verse 44. It says, all of the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I love this image of what happens when you're rooted in Jesus, when you begin to feed yourself, when you're in awe of who God is, when you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. The byproduct of that is we become the kind of community where we care more about one another's needs than we do our own comfort. We begin to care way more about how our brothers and sisters are doing in the midst of a hard time than we do our retirement plan or our second vacation or upgrading the car. We say, God, it's all on the table. We're your kids. Therefore, they're our brothers and sisters, and we're going to be in this together. It's been so amazing to watch the way this has happened, not just in the life of our church, but even over the last couple of months. In fact, I saw this happen this week. Every single week, I get to call people who have lost jobs, who are going through hardship in the midst of this pandemic, and as a church, we're getting to care for them together. But over and over, my experience has been so often, when I find out about a need, I call to see how we can meet it, and I find out that you, the church, have already met the need. And so earlier this week, there's there's a woman in our church who went through just kind of a really difficult tragedy, She's gonna be out of work for months, all sorts of financial needs and physical needs. And I called and I said, hey, we would love to come alongside of you. We'd love to help you as a church. And she said, thanks, but the church has already done that. She said, my house church came together the day that it happened and they've pulled together enough money for my salary for the next four months that I'll be out of work. (laughs) They've come together and they've begun like putting together meals and I go, guys, this is what it means to be, like when you became a part of the kingdom of God, isn't this what you dreamt about? Like none of us went, oh God, thank you for saving me by your grace. Can I sit in a plastic seat on a Sunday and hear a sermon that I'll forget by tomorrow? That was none of our vision. We go, God, fill us with your Spirit. Use us for the needs of others. And I go, I don't know what the future is gonna be like, but what I know is we'll be forged and held together in Jesus. We'll be a group of self-starters. We'll be in awe of the beauty of God. We will be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we'll be a selfless community, just like Jesus himself is. Just a few more. Number six, we will be a community that is deeply relational deeply relational. Look, look at this, verse 46. It says, "...every day they continued to meet together. In the temple courts they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts." It said, "...every day they continued to get together, sometimes in big settings like the temple, sometimes in small settings like their homes." I want you to notice the focus is not on the size of the gathering. The focus is on the reality that they're gathering. Right now there's all these conversations. You know, what's it going to be like? You know, right now we can get in groups of 10 or less. Next week we can get groups of 25 or less. I want you to notice the early church was never defined by how big the gathering was. They were just defined by the reality that they kept gathering around the person and the presence of Jesus together. There's all of these conversations right now in the midst of this quarantine. How is this pandemic gonna affect the way that people relate to each other? The reality is it's gonna affect a lot of things. But as a church, I want you to hear me so clearly on this. We refuse to let this season make us less relational. We're going to be more relational. We're not going to be less connected. We're going to be more connected. And maybe it'll look a little different. Maybe it will feel a little different. But if this season has taught me anything, man, it has reminded me how much I need you and you need me and we need each other. Like we need other human beings. You know, yesterday was amazing. Some of our good friends from church came over to hang out in the backyard with uh, Sydney and the boys and I. And I was just reminded of just the simple power of being together in community. I'm just getting to be together. That there's something about God that we only experience when we come together. And I go, what's the future going to look like? Man, a community held together in Jesus. A community of self-feeders, self-starters. A community that's in awe of God. A community filled with the Spirit and the power of God. A community that is selfless. A community that is deeply relational. Number seven, and a community that is joyfully authentic. I love this picture. Go back to verse 46 with me. It says, every day they continued to meet in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together, listen, with glad and sincere hearts. I love the picture of community that's forged. Like, you need more than just community. You need kingdom community. We need heavenly community. And I love the, the hallmark of kingdom community is joy and authenticity, or as Luke says here in Acts chapter two, gladness and sincerity. If you want to know what heaven is going to be like, just picture any place where you've experienced unbridled gladness. Gladness is the aroma of heaven. Like, If you want to imagine the future kingdom of God, just picture any moment where you've laughed so hard your face hurts the next day. Like I'm convinced we're going to all have wrinkle lines, like laugh lines in heaven. I'm, I'm sorry, that may like disappoint some of you. But we're going to spend so much time laughing in the presence of God, smiling in the presence of God, singing in the presence of God. It's going to be marked by gladness. And this is what we think God's called us into the future. I don't know what you picture when you picture our church coming back together in person, but I'm just telling you, I do not picture a group of people that are scared of each other, that are depressed, that are like, just feeling like the world's falling down. I'm, ex- I'm expecting a group of people marked by the gladness of God. Why, because when the world is shaking, we're the ones that have been called to embody the kingdom of heaven right here on earth, and heaven is marked by gladness or joy but not just joy. I love it. It says with sincerity or authenticity. You know, in the original language that this was written down, they didn't use the word sincere. What they said was, the people met with gladness on roads that did not have any loose stones in their hearts, which is such a weird phrase. And so when the English translators were trying to figure out, like, what's Luke saying? They came up with this word sincere— to kind of encapture what Luke was getting at. Because what Luke was trying to picture here is he said, as they came together in small groups and in big groups around the person of Jesus, filled with the Spirit, like, as they came together, there was joy, and there was this sense of authenticity or sincerity. In other words, as they traveled the road towards one another, there were no rocks to trip over. There was nothing to hide behind. There's was nothing to, to trip them up. In other words, what you saw is what you got. Who they were was on their sleeve, and so they came together. And they didn't waste their time talking about, you know, who's better, MJ or LeBron? We all know the answer, MJ, right? Or they, they didn't come together around their favorite hobby or sport. Those things aren't wrong. They came together, though, with open hearts and with open lives filled with the gladness of heaven. Who are we going to be held together in Jesus, self-starters, in awe of God, filled by the Spirit, living selfless lives that are deeply relational and joyfully authentic. And last but not least, we will be a community that is spiritually safe for the friends of Jesus. I love this. Look at verse 47. It says, in the midst of this, they praised God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, Jesus added to their number daily those who were being saved. Jesus added. I love love that picture. That as this community began to live out this incredible reality, Jesus himself looked at this group of people and said, I can trust you with the lives of my messy friends. I don't know if you ever noticed this or not, but Jesus has this tendency of hanging out with shady people. If you're shady, good news, that means you're perfectly qualified to be a close friend to Jesus. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. He hung out with people on the margins. And here's how we know that we're living into the church that Jesus created in the first place, when all of a sudden people start showing up whose lives are still in process when people start showing up whose lives are falling apart. When we start showing up, people start showing up and the religious community goes, oh, why do you hang out with people like that? Well, because Jesus is here. This is what I love is when we live out these things, we become the kind of community that Jesus will look at and say, I trust you with my friends that are still in process. I love it. It says that he added to their number daily those who were being saved. It doesn't say that he saved them like off by themselves and then brought them in, all cleaned up and put together. It says, no, he brought people in that were in the midst of the process. And I go, this is what the future is going to look like. There's so many questions, but I go, here's what we know, whether it's in small groups or in big groups, whether it's in our normal venues or scattered across the city and beyond. We're going to be a people forged and held together in the grace of God. We're gonna be a people who feed ourselves each day by the power of the Holy Spirit in the Word and in prayer. We're gonna be a people who are in awe of God, filled by the Spirit of God, living selflessly for one another as we walk in deep relationship with gladness and authenticity, receiving everybody that Jesus brings our way. See, I think in this season, in the midst of this, the shaking, Jesus is taking us back to normal. (laughs) Jesus is saying, hey, what's the church? What's, what's the church when the buildings and the programs and the mission trips and the activities are gone? What's the church? And I believe Jesus would look right at us and he'd say, it's the most beautiful group of people on earth because I'm right there in the midst of the mess. I'm right there. It's what he's calling us to. And there's nothing for us to be fearful of. We don't have to hold on to the old forms because we know the one that's leading us is filled with new life. I believe that Jesus, in this season, is getting us back to the good stuff. He's he's taking us back, he's saying, hey, I want you to be free of this. What I love is the church that's described in Acts chapter two, you don't need a building for it, you don't need budgets for it, you don't need professionals for it, you don't need any of that stuff. You don't need guidelines from the mayor, or from the governor, or from the president. What you need is the presence of God and people figuring out creative ways to live it out together. So I don't know what this moment has been like for you, but I wanna challenge you Do not waste this season. Don't waste the moment. Don't don't sit back on your heels for the next two or three weeks just waiting for us to open our venues again. I go, now is the time to say, Jesus, how can we live this out right here and right now? You know, there's some of you that are watching this morning, and you've never taken that first step with Jesus. You've never allowed the messiness of your life to be swallowed up by the kindness of God. You've never repented. You've never been baptized. You've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you, today is your day. Like, if you want to take that step with Jesus, man, we would love to help you take that step. Shoot us an email, share at ethoschurch.org, or right now in the live chat, you can just let someone know, hey, I want to talk with the pastor. We'll call you today, we'll FaceTime with you. We would love to help you take that next step. For some of you, your first moment is to let God just come in and just take it all. For some of you, maybe your time of response this morning is maybe you're realizing that you've been a bit apathetic because you're sitting around holding on to an old form of church. You're, you're, you're waiting for God to clear this all up so you can go back to just receiving from somebody else. And I go, God's got so much more for you. He's got so much more for you. And He wants to set you loose in the kingdom of God. And we want to help you do that. And no matter what our ability to gather looks like over the next few weeks, that's an important reality for you to embrace. And for so, so for some of you today, it's just, God, would you help me let go of anything that is keeping me from what you're calling me into? Last but not least, There's some of you here this morning that are living this out. And I go, would you just join us in praying? Would you join us in praying that Jesus would bring about his vision for the American church in this next season, as opposed to the American church begging Jesus to fulfill our vision? Let's just pray, God, hey, God, would you do whatever it takes so that your bride, your church here in this country would look just like you dreamt it up in the very beginning? Because I believe the best days are still ahead of us. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for what you're doing. God, we just declare that this shaking is actually a gift, that as things on the edges are dropped off, that what remains at the core will be good and will be beautiful and will be true. God, would you raise us up? Would you melt any places of apathy in our lives? Would you melt any places where we have I, uh, turned a form of church into an idol that we're holding on to? God, let us release it. God, help us to hear your voice. Help us to walk in community. God, help us to live out the vision of the church that we see in Acts chapter two. God, may may it be for your glory and our joy and the good of the people here in this city and far beyond. We're expecting great things from you because you are a great God and we believe the best is yet to come. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. We're excited to see it together. In the name of Jesus, amen.